It's Song Talk Radio. Welcome to Song Talk Radio. This is the show with songwriters talking to other songwriters about the craft of songwriting. We share tips, tools, and techniques, and together we all become better at writing songs. I'm your host, Neil Modi, and with me, my co-host, Phil Emery. How are you doing, Phil? I'm a presently accounted for, an accountingly present and all that stuff. I'm here. Good. Make sure you check with your accountant on that. Yeah, I will. <laughs> and um, we're delighted. We're delighted tonight to have the return of singer-songwriter and music educator Susan Catanio for a very special episode tonight. And um, a little bit about Susan with her powerful voice, captivating melodies, and finely crafted lyrics. Susan Catanio is one of Boston's most respected singer-songwriters and educators. In her 20-plus years teaching songwriting at Berkeley, Susan has helped students work on over 15,000 songs in all musical genres and styles and mentored over 2,000 artists. Susan won the CT Folk Festival and is nominated for Singer-Songwriter of the Year at this year's Boston Music Awards. She has been a finalist or winner in the country's most prestigious songwriting and music contests, an in-demand collaborator for a wide range of local and national artists. She is a three-time Kerrville New Folk finalist. Her double album, The Hammer and the Heart, charted on number one on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart and yielded a folk radio number one single and top 10 album. Her latest work, All Is Quiet, has been featured as a top 10 folk radio album since its release in April. And I can vouch for that is a fantastic album. <laughs> and uh, welcome you. back to Song Talk Radio, Susan. Wow, that's a really long bio. Sorry about yeah. that. It's like, oh, <laughs> it keeps going. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. We're going to be here for the next 40 minutes. We can spend a minute on thank you for having me wonderful to have you back on on the show susan and uh tonight we're going to be diving into tips uh, uh for overcoming songwriters block or writer's block for songwriters um and um before we get to the meat of, of that we just want to talk once again about uh, our plans for our next songwriting uh challenge uh with our listeners and and with ourselves um uh if you've been following the podcast for a while you know that we've done a songwriting challenge for the last three years now right phil yes. um and so our songwriting challenge for 2023 which is closer than you think folks mm. <laughs> and um, uh, we've just We've decided to do um, uh, to do a challenge uh, on the idea of writing a song in a mode that you don't normally write in or an unusual mode. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about modes in, in some future episodes and stuff. And and uh, I was saying to Phil last week that um, I swear my phone and my computer and everything was listening to me talk about modes because as soon as we did the podcast last week, first thing the next morning, a YouTube video popped up on my on my feed <laughs> talking about um, modes ranked as uh, as the modes ranked by brightness. And this is by one of my favorite YouTubers, David Bennett uh, Piano, who's a fantastic YouTuber. He talks a lot about theory, analyzing Beatles songs, um, doing all sorts of um, interesting uh, uh, topics. And this is the first time for myself that had had someone this time on YouTube explaining what modes are and, and what they mean and how it works. And finally, I feel like I got it because <laughs> they've always wow. kind of, I've always understood what they are, but not really how I could, how I could use them as a songwriter and, and watching his, his video is only like 15 minutes long. I finally feel like I can actually get it and how, and how like, he goes from dark, darker modes to brighter modes and puts it in that kind of context and major or minor are actually in the middle there somewhere. 
and you can play with these different things to try and get a brighter tone or a, or a darker tone, which is which is really a great way to look at it. Um, uh, how, about, how about for yourself, Susan? Do you do you do you ever deliberately write in a mode? And I know we all do it by accident sometimes. <laughs> well, so when I was at Berkeley, I did, I obviously wrote in modes for assignments. So it'd be like, you know, okay. write in Phrygian, write in Mixolydian and write in Aeolian or whatever. Uh, Dorian, for example, is a pretty common minor mm -hmm. mode. Um, and so you kind of force yourself to, it's it's about, for me, it's about hearing if you're hearing dough in a different place, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it, and, and oh, successful way to write in modes would be to sing the scale, sing the modal scale, write the chords that are present in that mode, and then really try and write around it. I don't, I mean, for me, like I've written some Celtic stuff that, that just felt right in Dorian. <laughs> and I've written a lot of country songs that are in Mixo. I use Mixo a lot, actually, in my writing, but I have to say, I don't necessarily set out intentionally to be like, oh, I'm going to write a song in a mode. Um, mm -hmm. I love the fact that the the guy that you were talking about talks about light and shadow, because I think that that is a more appropriate way to think about modes. It's more about feel. It's like it can really convey a feel. And so I use modal writing I'll like write a pre-chorus in a mode because I want to set up either a light or a darkness leading into my chorus. Right. Or I'll set, I'll write a modal bridge. Um, and so, th and that's because it's also like a departure from where we are normally and it's kind of taking it to a different place. So that's where I use modes in my songwriting, but I don't, I don't normally set out be like today it's Locrian, baby, you know, Locrian, like, yeah. <laughs> so when you're writing these, when you're writing, let's say a bridge and you're wanting to make a use of a mode, mm -hmm. do you sort of target a mode to use, uh, depending on what kind of song you're using, or is it just kind of whatever feels right? Um, well, no. So yeah, I do target the, yeah, like I want my bridge to be brighter or I want my bridge to be darker. Exactly. exactly. Where do you go then? Exactly. So yeah, so it's more about like thinking if I want it, do I want it brighter? You know, if I'm in a major key and then I'll go to Dorian because it like it's next to it, but it feels darker. And then, you know, if I'm, it's also really interesting to think about um, substitution chords, modal chords as devices that you can use instead of the standard one, four, five transitions, right? So, you know, if you go to, instead of a five, one cadence, you go to like a flat seven to one, which is borrowing from Mixolydian, you know, you can have this same resolution kind of feel, but for some reason it seems brighter. I don't know why. Like that flat seven is really useful to me. I use that a lot in my songs. Yeah. And then that's that and Mixolydian, I think is very prevalent in pop rock yeah. country yeah <laughs> whatever. well and the cool thing i'm so glad you guys are doing this because not a lot of people write in modes or even and the beatles wrote in a lot of they used modal writing a lot in separate sections kind of like i do mm -hmm. and you know there isn't a lot of that in popular music now so mm. now is you know now is the time for people to introduce topics like modes into their writing because it'll set them apart it'll make them different from what is already out there. You mentioned something uh, called modal chords. 
Can you explain that? Because I'm sure people are going, what is, what's a modal chord? Modal well, interchange. I, what I, what I, yeah, modal interchange. What I meant, or what, what, what that means is using chords, essentially using chords that are not diatonic to the key, right? So if you have chords that are built in the a major key, you have one, two minor, three minor, four major, five major, six minor, seven diminished, and then back to one again, right? So the cool thing about all of that is that any of those minor chords can be used major. Any okay. of those, yeah. So you can go from oh it, the standard, you know, one, four, five, one, right? One, four major, five major, one. Pretty standard. What if you go one, four minor, five minor, one? How does that feel? Those chords are not in the major key, but you're borrowing them from other modes. You're borrowing them from either the minor key scale or from, you know, Dorian, which is, you know, where you have the five minor. Um, so that's what I, I kind of like to pick and choose. And sometimes I'll go one, five major, one, five minor. It's like a nice mm. little ability mm. to, to, I guess I feel a little less handcuffed to all the chords that are in the diatonic key. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did I make it too yes. confusing? No, no, it does. Actually. Okay, good. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. one of the thing, one of the things I noticed. So I, this year or last year, I got a new uh, MIDI keyboard controller, a Native Instruments uh, keyboard controller for my home studio, right? And it has this button called the scale button, and you can do it in the software on your desktop computer as well. And you you can pick a major minor scale. You can even pick all these different modes, and they have even you know Eastern scales and a whole bunch of different scales. And then you only play the white keys, but it. Tonally, it's different depending on which preset you pick. But the interesting thing about that approach, like you were just saying, Susan, is that you don't hear it a lot. You don't hear a lot of borrowing in modern music because everything, whether it whether it is even just Mixolydian, it's confined only to Mixolydian. You're not going to go to a, you're not going to modally interchange one of the chords into into the flip major or minor it's always going to stay within this thing and and i feel like i feel like technology is actually playing a role in that because you know this this thing the the, the scale parameter the scale button on the in, in, in every every review i look up of this keyboard on youtube or whatever they always push the scale feature as such a great handy thing because you can play in any key and you can play in any mode by just you know, playing the white keys. I'm waiting for them. To, I'm waiting for somebody, some company, to release a controller that doesn't have black keys. It just mm. has seven white keys. Oh my god, that would be so weird. That, <laughs> that's all. That's all you need. No, and I, I tried playing with it, and it's bizarre for me because I'm hitting these keys. I'm expecting it to sound different, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Or, or or the reverse. Like I'm expecting it to sound like like major. And all of a sudden I hit the A and it's actually an A flat. And I'm like, that just makes my brain go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It sounds like I can't fun. Do it. I can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that's most important to remember is that people get afraid of modes. I don't know. It's like it's mm -hmm. scary to write in modes. And I I think I want to demystify that and say yeah. it's, you know, the the verb is to play music. It's not to self-loathe or to confuse your way to music you play music that's the verb and you know to play with chords I think it can be really fun and to experiment you know going between major and minor and and you know 
there's like a, you can flat the two, you can flat three, flat the two chord, flat the three chord, and they will work as nice transition pieces to more diatonic chords as well. It's great. When you say flat, flattening the two chords, so if you're in, let's say the key of G, like a lot of guitarists use uh, yes. G. Yes. So um, the two would be a minor. Yeah. The A minor chord. Yep. So when you say a flat two, it's, is that like a G sharp? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And you, obviously you wouldn't use it next to the G, right? You yeah. use it right. as a transition piece. Five yeah. or something. Yeah. 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 Going to the five. Yeah. Right. So it'd be like um, one, the flat two to five. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, cool. You play, you play the, yeah. you're absolutely right, though. So the point is just to play with it and to right. play around with it, right? Yeah, and, and experiment with it. Because I, I think I think the other fear that people have is that ooh, it's theory. It's going to it's going to destroy my creativity. Oh my gosh. Where yeah, where where the where we 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 know and we Do discussed this on the podcast that. many many times. The opposite is actually true. It actually yes. it improves your creativity. Gives you more tools to play with. You don't have to use them. Yeah. And you don't have to be, you know, really stringent with anything, any one directive or whatever, but it, it just opens your mind to, to different possibilities. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Which is kind of one key to, to feeling creative and to feeling like you're in the flow when you're writing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's going to be, it's going to be a, a fun challenge, I think. I think so. I think it'll be, yes. I think it'll be interesting. Awesome. Fascinating. We're eager to hear what our listeners, what, what modes are inter our listeners decide to, <laughs> to write. Because yes. I, I think the other thing for me is that, like, like you're saying, Susan, like sometimes you just sort of stumble on it. You like the tone of something and you work with right. it, right? But have you ever deliberately written something in Lydian? No, never. No. Yeah. I've done it by accident many times, yeah. sure. Yeah. Never on purpose. So we'll see, yeah. see what happens when you try to do it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> When I have a list, I'll, I'll send it to you guys and you can share it with your listeners at some of the point. I have a list of contemporary songs that are using uh, modes. Okay, cool. That Excellent. might be really helpful. So, yeah. Because awesome. you can yeah, hear it. Like, ahead. I mean, Billie Jean. Yeah. Billie Jean is in, what is Billie Jean in? I can't remember, but I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll Google it and get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's um let's shift modes now and uh ah, there you go. <laughs> go to our go to our main topic. So here we're we're here tonight to talk about ways to to conquer, to battle uh writer's block. Because you know, we've all experienced, you know, getting stuck on a song. And I would be perfectly honest, for for those of us that have listened to the podcast every week, um, as in you know, Phil and myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we know, we know, we, 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 we kind of talk about this on virtually every episode of this show, because we talk about tools and we talk about things, knowledge you can acquire and use while you're songwriting, especially ways to get, you know, unstuck from certain situations, you know, whether it's, whether it's retuning your guitar, whether it's trying a different instrument, whether it's, you know, just shifting something, it, it all, it all boils down to just shifting your brain into a different space to, to explore something else. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, had, I don't know, we can just, we can just keep, have, have the question open wide. I mean, maybe you guys can just talk a little bit about how, how you think about writer's block, or even if it's a consideration for you. 
Yeah, Susan, what now what does writer's block mean to you and have you uh, experienced it? Um, so, so I think somebody said to me the other day that uh, in a song, a song doesn't ever stop, right? When there's a pause in a song, it's a rest. And I like the idea that when a writer is in that moment of not writing, it's just a rest. It's just a rest between pieces. And I think that, you know, we should think about it that way instead of thinking of it as a paralyzing inability to create. I love um, that. I love that. You know, there are a lot of people who um, who are extremely prolific and then not prolific for a moment and then prolific again. And And I think everyone has this fear when there are those dry periods that, oh, my God, I'm never going to write another song again. Oh my God, whatever it was, it's gone. The magic is gone. Mm -hmm. And I, I really believe that the reason why songs don't get written sometimes is because you have a limited number of paths that you take to write a song. You usually use this path or this path or this path. And for some reason, those paths aren't available to you. And so you're not able to, to move forward. And I, so I, I really, it's, it's been kind of my, my goal in life to come up with as many different paths to writing a song as possible, because I think if you know a lot of them, you can work your way around whatever blockade you have. Um, certainly there are some songs that maybe you're not ready to write them yet. Maybe you just need, they need to marinate in your, in your brain before they're ready to mm -hmm. see the light of day. And some songs just don't get written and that's okay. Um, I love the process for me a lot when I'm writing a song, I'll be like, I am going to write a song about this thing, whatever it is. And I start writing the song and then I'm kind of like in the middle distracted by this other idea that I've gotten. So I'll be like, no, 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 don't get distracted. Write the idea. And it's like, I keep getting distracted by that side project. And it turns out I end up writing the side song, not the main song. And sometimes, mm -hmm. so the main song was the vehicle to get me to the side song, which was what I was meant to write. So I think that um, writer's block happens a lot of the time because I think people aren't ready. Uh, they're not ready to receive the muse. And so for me, I love coming up with different ways that you can be inspired so that when the muse comes a knocking, you're ready. I think that's the key. Because sometimes like, you know, you're just not in a writing mode. You're not thinking about songs. You're not thinking about songwriting. You're not listening for hooks. You're not kind of in the world in a musical way. And um, so I, I like to come up with a lot of different ways to kind of get you, get you in the mood for making music. Mm. Does that make sense? Interesting. Yeah. No, that's 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 a really good that's a really good point. I, I love that idea about it's just a rest. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Right. That's, yeah. That's so it's good. okay. Um, how about how about you, Phil? Well, there's I think there's two different uh, kinds of writer's blocks. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine about this, and she's a writer, and she's been you know writing since she was, you know, I think twelve, and has been an editor and a newspaper uh, reporter and. Um, short story novelist and all that stuff. And she says, you know, there's there's the stuff where you just, you know, kind of like a momentary block where you can't block, can't write. And then there's other times when you don't want to write. 
and even though this is something that's that will be good for you and it's sort of what you're meant to do but you you sort of don't want to and that's that's kind of an emotional an issue which i think is harder to work out but uh something that uh susan had mentioned made me remember a fantastic book i read i don't even know if it's still in print it's called the inner game of music Mm. And it's about sort of the psychology of performing and writing is a form of performing as well as, you know, actually performing. And there's all these ways of kind of getting getting out of your head um, when you're trying to do these kinds of things. And one of the uh, suggestions, just as a for instance, was if you're about to go on stage and your hands are shaking and you're getting nervous, the one thing that you don't want to do is to try to stop your hands from shaking and try to not be nervous because what's going to happen is you're going to tense up. And the more you tense up, the more nervous you'll be and the more your hands will shake. So what you do is you actually dive into the nervousness and you dive into the handshaking and you just kind of let it go. And what will happen is your hands will stop shaking and you won't be nervous. Because you're not, it's it's the idea of, of being like water. It's almost like a uh, a martial arts concept where you're just kind of going with the flow. You're you're acting like water. You're not trying to prevent something happening. You're just kind of going with it and going around it. And I think sometimes with writer's block, it's because you're trying too hard. And I think you need to kind of let it go. And I think that's one of the things I think I figured out. Another thing is. I think in when when you are a creator, if you're a visual creator or a writer or a songwriter or any kind of thing that has to produce art of some sort, there's different modes. There's the modes where you're actually making stuff, but then there's the mode where you're kind of building up your battery. And you're building you have to build up your battery by experiencing more art so if you're a songwriter and you're you know you kind of run out of ideas start trying to listen to lots of different kinds of music that you've never listened to maybe that you never even that you don't even enjoy so maybe you don't you don't like rap music well listen to a lot of rap music because that's a whole bunch of stuff that you're not familiar with and that's going to start to recharge your battery. Uh, there used to be this fantastic show on CBC called Gilmore's Albums, and he would just play the most bizarre assortments of 1920s opera, show tunes, uh, modern pop, and it was just stuff that you would never normally hear. But it was a great way of kind of getting all these things into your brain um, in kind of this very sort of non-threatening kind of way. And you want to, so you want to charge your battery, your um, creative battery um, by listening to lots of different stuff. If you're a musician, go to see, uh, go to see art, go to see, like go to a museum and, and see visual art, because that'll help you understand things like contrast. And it just kind of gets that sort of battery charged, you know, and see live music too is a great thing because that could be very inspiring. One thing I used to do with the uh, band, with um, let's finish off this thought here, is when I was you know um, with the with the hookers, I'd, I'd see a band and they do this musical thing, and it might be like oh having a drummer going dum dum jump dum 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 jump jump, and I thought gee you know we don't do a song like that, maybe I should try doing something like that, and you start coming up play, not trying to 
write a song, but just start playing with that idea. And that will lead to either a song that's based on that or a side song that you get from that idea, you know, just charging your creative batteries. Well, and Phil, I just want to like say, yes, 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 yes. A hundred percent. Yes. And I would add on to that, uh, read some good books, read some good poetry, watch some good television, go to good movies, ingest all of the art and media that, you know, go to, I, I love like, um, you know, there are lots of places where you can find creative ideas. And, you know, we can be inspired not only by things we hear, but by things we see. Um, you know, even like if you were going to experience a good meal, how does how would you write a song to describe the way you feel about a chocolate souffle? Like write a love song to a chocolate souffle. How does that sound? <laughs> but yeah. I think also I read a book called On Writing, and it's all different uh, authors, uh, literate, creative writers, not songwriters, talking about how they write, what their writing practice is. And the thing that all of them have in common is they do some form of daily writing. And I think, unfortunately, you have to do, you have to have some sort of daily writing, whether it's, you know, there's Morning Pages, which is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, um, that's like, you know, a great book to follow. There's uh, a book by Pat Patterson from Berkeley who does writing better lyrics, which is object writing. Um, I do uh, this weird kind of thing that is like, uh, oh, I'll even, I, I'll show it to you, but you can't, you can't <laughs> your listeners can't see it. But so I have this <laughs> bag, uh, it's a bag full of random words and I call it a pinch ah. of words. And every day, or, you know, I, I play games with like literary games with myself, but I'll, I'll take a pinch of words out of the bag and I have to see what the words are. And they are today is like victorious and strange. Those are the words that I have. And I mm. set a timer. So it's a specific timer. And I just write on victorious and strange. I don't even know what that means. I don't know why I chose it. And that really helps me. Like if I write something down, I set a time limit. I do it every day. And because I do it every day, I don't have this pressure of like, oh my God, I've got to write the best thing I've ever written because this is the only time to write a song. Like I'm writing all the time. And so writing kind of becomes less of a big deal because I'm doing it so much. Mm -hmm. If it's If it's terrible today, it'll be better tomorrow. You know, it's like, there's no... Um, so, you know, I think that writing every single day, I think practicing your instrument every single day is really important. And I think also, as you said, Phil, being inspired by other musicians is a great idea for me. Like how often do we really these days actually just listen to music? I think that's a forgotten art. So true. And so sometimes I'll be mm. like, oh, I'm just going to actually listen to this song. And invariably at the end, at the end, Phil, I'll be like, oh, I liked like the way they sung that hook. Like they did that cool melody on that hook that kind of went up and then it <laughs> went down. again. What if I did a chorus that had that same thing? So I'm going to do my own version of whatever that song was. Or even like definitely like rhythm and feel. It's like, oh, cool. This is like an up-tempo you know, um, angry song. 
cool. I haven't written an up-tempo angry song in a while. Let's do that. And kind of using other songs as a template for your mm. song, I think. Mm -hmm. And then if I could say one other thing, like what happens all the time, because I find it through every single person I've ever worked with, there's something called second verse hell, which means <laughs> like you write verse one, you write the chorus, and then you're like, well, I'm yeah. done. I have no. nothing to say. <laughs> and that's like a really, it's so common that I have a name for it, right? And a way to combat second verse hell, there are two ways to think about. First of all, think about like what material you have in your verse and what material you have in your chorus. Sometimes the chord structures are so much the same that they almost feel like the same section, which is why you don't kind of know where to go from it. Sometimes the material that's in your verse, which should be all descriptive, storytelling, et cetera, has a few lines in there that are kind of declarative, broad, big statements that probably should be in the chorus and vice versa. Sometimes you'll have a chorus that's like chock-a-block full of furniture. It's got a lot of stuff in it. And maybe that material could be moved into a second verse and you just leave the chorus with the hook and you repeat the hook a bunch of times. So there are lots of ways to, like for me, like that's one of the things that I find with a lot of writers is kind of second verse hell. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember I had one guy who, uh, he wrote this song and he, he was like, there can be like a miss, a mismatch between your melody and your, your lyrics. Like it's almost a friend of mine has this story that he believes that the muse is this beautiful woman. And she's like, here, Steve, I'm going to give you this beautiful lyric and this beautiful melody. And he's like, but she's a jerk because <laughs> she's like, guess what? Steve's going to have to figure out that they don't belong together. Mm -mm. So sometimes a really effective way, as I said, I had this student who came in and his song was like, yay, I'm so glad we're back together. And the song was in minor. It was really <laughs> sad. And I was like, are you happy that you're back together? And he's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, sure I am. And he's, he wasn't. <laughs> you know, he, those, those twins needed to be separated. And the music belonged to something sad. The lyric belonged to something happier. Good, good, good old prosody again there. Yeah, I, I think I think what both of you guys are talking about is, is is super interesting. I want to go back to what you were saying, Phil, about about that notion of two two types of block where you can't do it and be you don't want to do it because I, I think I think that gets back to what Susan was saying about the rest period and and the kind of acceptance of that and just saying. I don't, I don't feel like doing this right now. And that's perfectly okay. I'll, I'll do it later. But the, 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 the danger, especially with those of us that, you know, have, you know, day jobs outside of songwriting, we don't write every day, we're not prolific as, 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 as professional songwriters are. And, you know, and, and when we find the time to do it, we, we sort of try to engage with it. But sometimes, you know, you don't really feel like it, because you don't really have the energy. And, you know, you, you, distracted by other things and, 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 and whatever, but it, you know, but something Susan was saying about, about, um, about having, you know, access to all these paths, all these venues that you can go down, um, and having options to play around with that, that enables you to sort of start almost anywhere and be able to, um, 
progress it, um, uh, progress that idea a little bit more. And and I, I find too that something something I've been um, thinking about a lot the last several years, probably since we started doing this podcast, really is is the notion of hey that would make a nice song that would make a good song, right? And 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 sort of and sort of actively listening, but not just listening to other music, listening to the news, listening to you know something that happened to your friend, something that happened to you, a, a family member. Um, and and finding you know a, a cool way to express that or an interesting way to, to to work with that and then you know taking a little jot note in your phone and then and once you've got it written down and you can come back to it and okay what what state of emotion was I in that, in that at that moment okay let me see if I can work with that and then and then try and try and develop um, a, a, a song um, one of the things that I really was a big proponent of a few years ago. Um, and recommending to people was this keyword exercise where you come up with an idea for a song and then you're like okay what now like I don't know where to go with this and and one of the things I actually learned this from Pat Patterson's um, online course on, on Coursera the keyword exercise where you take your idea and then write down you know four or five six words that are very significant um, to that um, to that idea, right? And then you go on a rhyming dictionary, like rhymezone.com um, or something like that, and you punch in each of those words and you find a bunch of other words that are still related to your idea because you got this, you got this, uh, you got this notion of what the song is about, but you're not sure exactly how to, how to proceed with it. So you've got this general idea. So you pick out some other rhyming words that um, that line up with those words. So now you've got, you know, sort of five columns of words that rhyme in each column and they're all related to your idea and you can start to piece together some kind of a lyric and you'll and 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 that's almost inspirational in terms of you you're getting another system to tell you some of these words um that are related and that are that that that, that and especially if they rhyme hey bonus right <laughs> and um and 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 you can and that might and that might spur some more ideas and be like oh yeah i, I know how to use that oh that that's an interesting intersection between those two ideas Let's try and play with that. And then, you know, and for myself, being a, being a musician a lot longer than I've been a lyricist, I found, again, the last few years, if I do the hard part first, if I write the lyric first, as that's always the struggle for me, if I do that, if I can muscle through a lyric, even if it's not perfect, and it's never perfect anyway, but even if it's kind of a lousy first draft, then I can hop onto the music easily and write some, write some music behind it and then go back to the lyric, refine, make sure it fits Make sure it works well together, and then and then you kind of you kind of go back and forth, um, you know. But but if I can muscle through a good chunk of the lyric, um, the the first thing that I know, I know I've I've conquered the the hardest hurdle for myself. So the rest of it will be easy. Because if I if I do the other way, which is what I used to do years ago, I would always get blocked by writing these little musical tidbits on my piano. That's a nice little figure. Now what do I do? It's not a song yet, <laughs> and then. And then, then, then I would get stuck with, okay, what's this song about? What's what do I what do I need to write about? What's what's the lyric behind this? What's the hook? Um, you know, those sorts of things. I, 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 I did have I did have an instance once where I had this idea, and and like you were saying, Susan, sometimes you have to let it simmer. So I I, I was thinking about it, but I needed a metaphor. And and I didn't know what the metaphor was going to be. And I actually woke up um in the middle of the night once. Um, and, and all of a sudden the idea came to me, it was like what the metaphor 
was 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 going to be the 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 the, the idea was like the, the, this notion that I read from a Malcolm Gladwell book about about how um, uh, your upbringing and and sort of past experiences really strongly inform you know what you what the person you are today and and all those sorts of things right all those all those kind of relationships from past to present um, uh, and and the and the the um, the metaphor I came up with was echoes because everything you do today is an echo of what came in the past. It's echoes of this, echoes of that, echoes of echoes of the teachers I had, echoes of the bullying I experienced, echoes of the family upbringing I had, families, you know, all, all those sorts of things, right? And then once I had that, then then the thing kind of rolled out. But it, but you're right, it did have to, I did have to just just leave it alone for a little bit and just simmer the idea. And then I don't. I, I guess I got lucky in that sense of a, the metaphor kind of um, stumbled upon me for our latest songwriting challenge because we had a deadline <laughs> to get the songwriting challenge done. I actually started googling, you know, my keywords and reading articles about this topic about mental health and 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 actually, you know, actually googled it metaphors for mental health, whatever, and then found some other keywords got those assembled in there and then I could build some sort of lyric. And then after that, the music part's easy for me anyway. I just want to like, that's so great. I love what you said. And also I would suggest that when you're compiling your list of words, that you also think about if you were going to make a music video about the idea behind the song, what would it look like? Because I think, you know, people really respond to songs that have things in them that they can see and they can imagine. So when you're at that beginning stage, when you're collecting words, I I also have the students, like I I ask people to like, well, what does your music video look like? Where does it, where is the song taking place in a city, in the country, in a field, on a mountain, in on the ocean, you know, that will also help inform and give you some cool words to look up rhymes for. And more visual language. And more visual language. And then the second thing that I love that you said was the fact that you just muscle it out, which sometimes it is. I, I I think of it sometimes like I'm in a jungle and I have to get to a gorilla that's in the jungle and I have a pocket knife and I have to like, you know, sometimes it feels like I have to get, you know, through a lot of bamboo to get to the gorilla. But mm-hmm. the key is to write stuff down to start. Because I think a lot of people, when they start writing songs, immediately, immediately, the judge and the jury are all there saying, no, that's not good. No, stop. That's terrible. I call it like the Velveeta effect because they'll be like, they're writing, oh, this is so cheesy. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> you know, and the fact is that the you've just got to throw it out there because once you do that, then you have something to edit. But if you yes. don't ever try it, if you don't ever get it onto paper or into your journal or whatever, into your phone, you won't have anything to edit. You don't have anything to to work with. So sometimes the key is just ignore the jury, ignore the judge, write it out, make it bad. It doesn't matter. You can always yeah. edit it. Yeah, you, you, you can even you can even say to yourself, I'm going to write the worst song that I can and it's going to be crap. And then you can work off of that. Well, because when I, you know, what I do, you know, for for my uh, for money during the day is advertising and marketing. So I have to um, write stuff, and we have like real deadlines. It's not like oh, this isn't working. They I have to deliver something by two. And some days, you know, you're right on top of it, and you got a great idea. And other times, 
there's nothing in the tank, but I still have to deliver something by two, and it still has to be good enough. And that's I don't recommend that for, for everybody, but what happens is you start putting down really dumb stuff. And sometimes, like, I can't even string, like, a, a sentence together. But you start putting stuff together and editing it, and then you come up with an idea. And just that process of polishing it and moving it around suddenly gets to be good. And then it's and then you deliver it and it's done and everyone loves it. So I think that's it. And one thing I, I was thinking is there's different phases in a creator's existence. And there are different periods. And, you know, there's going to be periods where you're going to be really prolific and you're writing lots of stuff. And then there's going to be another period where it's all about learning. And you're not going to write anything, but you're going to learn. And that might be things like listening to this this podcast, um, uh, reading books on it. Um, or, and this is especially true, if you're in a band, but you've always played original music, in some ways you're robbing yourself because there's no better way to learn about songs than playing someone else's song. So find your very favorite song, the song that you love, and understand that after you go through this exercise, you will not love it in the same way. But you will spend mm. and take a Saturday. Like this is gonna this is like a multi-hour kind of thing. And you're not writing anything, but what you're doing is you're learning it. Take your song and a pair of headphones, figure out the chords. Write out all the chords, write out all the words, write out where the chords are, and then slowly go through the melody and figure out, okay, does, does this song start on a third or a fifth or a flat seventh or a sixth? And then see how that melody walks through those chords. And this is going to be really, really slow. And you're going to go through this song hundreds and hundreds of times. But by doing that, you're going to understand how that song was actually... Uh, constructed and how they put stuff together and you'll go well that what is that hook that they do and you go oh well, that that hook is really cool that's a flat seven and you might go wow that's really hard like I, I i love devo and i realized that um by doing this with some devo songs is that uh, mark mothersbaugh loves the flat seven he's always singing like um two usually two octaves um above the bass with a flat seventh, which is really hard to actually sing, because most people go to the go to the root, but it's that kind of insight that will help you understand sort of how something is put together. And once you start getting, you learn more stuff, then you'll be more open to creating stuff. So it's okay to not actually be in a writing mode. Sometimes you're just in a sowing seeds mode, you know? Exactly. Mm. And it, so it's so cool that you said sowing seeds because that's calling them song seeds. That's that's what we call them. So it's like, and you can collect different kinds of song seeds. So something can be a lyric idea, right? A, a, an actual thing. And I, oh, I also want to say like pre-COVID and now hopefully post-COVID, like where do you get song ideas, right? People talk to you, they'll say an expression that suddenly resonates mm. with you, collect that in your phone. Go to a, a, a mall and sit in the food court and eavesdrop and listen to other people's <laughs> conversations with a mask on, hopefully. Um, yes. And, you know, and, and collect like verbal song seeds. And then there are melodic song seeds. So you're just, you hear a wonderful song or you you analyze a song and you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to do that, 
you know, the, the chorus is in this range and the, or the verse is in this range and the chorus is actually a full octave up higher. Oh, that's a cool sound. I'm going to do that. So you make a note of that. And then there are chordal song seeds. So it's like a chord progression that you can really like. And so, you know, say you can take someone's chord progression in another song and you can change up you can change up what the chords are, but you can also like change when the chords happen, right? You can make the, if it starts on the four and in the original song, it goes four, five, one, 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 four, five, one, one, one. Well, what if you stayed on the four, for two full measures, and then you went to the one instead and then the five, you know, um, and that's a chordal song seed. And then there is a rhythmic song seed if you like a particular rhythm that you know you can sing into your phone or if you have a drum track i love having people write to a drum track because a lot of um a lot of sad musicians who are writing really sad songs sometimes need to increase the bpm a little bit more <laughs> and writing to a drum track can really inspire you to do that and then the last one is the one that uh, that Neil was talking about, where it's a metaphorical song seed. It's like an idea, like I want to write about, you know, autumn. I want to, and so I don't know what I'm going to write about, but I feel like the theme of autumn is going to be the kind of template of this song. So, you know, keeping these song seeds and keeping track of them, I think is really important. I know a lot of artists who are like, they're like, I got a great song idea and it's written on a napkin. <laughs> then I'm like, no, you have to write it on something that, you know, so I, I like to keep track of my, my song seeds and my song ideas um, on my phone and also on my computer. And, um, and then last but not least, like, let's not forget also the beauty of co-writing hmm. to help yes. people yeah. get beyond uh, writer's block. Cause sometimes yes. You just need somebody else's influence to kind of push you along. And also to feel like a little validation because you can bring an idea in there. And hopefully if they're a, a good co-writer, they'll be like, awesome. And you're like, awesome. They like my idea. Yay, I'm good. And then you can go forward and write together. So yeah. it's, it's, it's like it's like they what they say. I don't know anything about drama or, or improvisation, but I've heard about improvisation is that you don't collaborate with you because you, that's the I mean, improv is a collaboration. You're collaborating with another actor, right? You never say, you, you never hear someone's idea and say, but no. XXX, you say, yeah. and yeah, I'm going to add to this. We're going to build upon this as opposed to that's, that's not working. We need to go this way. No, no, let's, let's try and work with, um, work with what we have. The, the interesting thing about, about everything that we're saying here is that to get past a block what you're what you're essentially doing is you're focusing your attention right because there's nothing scarier than facing a blank page and being like okay today i'm going to write a song that is not going to get you anywhere you need to sit down and say i'm going to write a song about x i'm going to write a song with that melody i heard last week on that cool song that really resonated with me i'm going to write a song about or, or with you're essentially is what we've been what we've been talking about for the last three years is songwriting challenges you're essentially giving yourself a challenge to say i heard something interesting or i saw something interesting um and now i'm going to write a song based on that right and that and that 
allows your your vision to be to be much more focused and and that for sure is 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 what's going to get you at least past the first parts and then if you you continue with that with with that focus it can it can actually drive you through the entire uh, you know if you got something really um compelling that you're hinging on then it could that could essentially uh drive the creative process right through the, your your entire song but that that's essentially what we're doing here is we're we're finding these little ways these little pathways to focus your attention and not just say i'm going to write a song about about what <laughs> when i would even like make I would even make that assignment even smaller because I think we yeah. want to make it so that it's successful. So instead of writing mm -hmm. a song about, let's just say you're going to sit down and write a chorus, mm -hmm. right? So just like make, yeah. or even we're going to sit down and come up with five song titles and not even develop mm -hmm. them. Just come up with five song titles. And then the person who is feeling a little bit stuck is like, well, cool. I can do that. You know? And it, I think yeah. like, breaking it down into small kind of manageable things makes it not so daunting. Like, Oh my God, I have to write a whole song. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, you know, not every song that you're going to write is going to be fantastic. So, you know, sometimes if you can't write anything, write a stupid song about your feet, you know, yeah. even if it's just feet, 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 if that's your whole song, that's <laughs> okay. You know, and yeah. that's, and that's, I think when people are trying to be perfect all the time, yeah. Just think, I'm just going to experiment with this dumb chord thing. And if nothing comes with it, that's okay. You know, it doesn't have to be great. I mean, because even professional songwriters, when they get together and sometimes they, uh, they're working, sometimes stuff doesn't come through. And sometimes the stuff that comes through isn't that good. You know, it's, that's okay. It's, that's the way art is. Don't feel bad about borrowing stuff from other people. Mm. You know, Picasso was a pretty standard painter until he actually saw an exhibition on African masks. And then he brought those forms into his art. And if you look at the faces of his women, they all look like African masks because he brought that mm. aspect into his art. And that's what I'm saying. If you don't listen to, to hip hop, listen to some hip hop. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to bring all that stuff in it, but you might bring some of that kind of fantastic rhythm, uh, rhythmical um, phrasing that they have, or, you know, maybe the, the way they handle their bass, you know? So just don't feel bad about borrowing stuff from other art or other uh, musicians and bringing them in and going, well, maybe this works. Because someone might say, oh, that just sounds like craft work. But there's lots of people out there who've never heard of craft work before. And to them, it'll be, wow, that's really new. Well, yeah. And, and I find that with my songwriting, I'll, I'll be borrowing from a lot of different things that I don't even realize until afterwards. At one point, I was doing a co-write with um, two people and one was a piano player and one was this amazing, amazing singer. And um, they hadn't written a song before. And, and I was, I was the one who was coming in with the song ideas. And um, I had been reading a short story and the short story said something, it was about, I don't know, something, there was some line about like, you weren't where I, where you promised you'd be. And I wrote that down. I thought that was really interesting. And then I um, was, I, I went to an art exhibit and they had in the, the, um, the gift shop, they had a beautiful painting on, uh, um, 
on a, a book of Christina's World by Andrew Wyeth, which is that famous painting of the girl reaching towards the house in the back. She's wearing a pink dress. It's very like Midwestern. And then I go to this co-write and the woman that I'm writing with, um, the singer, had just lost her father and just lost her mother and she was getting married. And she was so upset that they weren't, her parents weren't going to be where they promised they would be when she was getting married. And we used the visual of Christina's world, that line, and, you know, this person's story to write the song. And it was really cool because it was like, oh, you know, I'm kind of pulling from here and I'm pulling from here. And, you know, I agree with you, um, Phil, that like, you know, you'd be amazed by what you can be inspired by in the world and how you can pick in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Like one of the coolest assignments, sometimes I'll tell people chord progression wise, take a chord progression from one song, a verse of one song and a chord progression from a chorus from a different song and put them together and <laughs> see what happens. And that can be like a really cool exercise to try. One thing I've learned from this conversation is I never write a song about anything. I come up with like the music and the idea and the, and the melody and then kind of go la 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 and then figure out uh, what the words are from there. So as opposed to thinking, oh, I'm going to write a song about, you know, mental health or something like that. It's well, and Peter Gabriel, you are like Peter Gabriel. Um, mm -hmm. If anybody knows Peter Gabriel, and he's not too old for your audience now, but <laughs> um, depressing. Peter Gabriel came out with an album called So, which oh, yeah. was amazing, amazing. Oh, oh, and yeah. he actually published, um, it's called So DNA, and you can find mm -hmm. it on oh. YouTube and everywhere. And you'll hear how a song emerges. And he is like you, Phil. Oh. He writes he writes like he top lines is what it's called, you know, where you build the track and then you just sing nonsense vowels over it. And you can hear him like, I'm lulling down, red, red rain, red rain is falling down. And you're like, oh, there's the song. <laughs> and, you know, so that's totally a way to do it. And so you're what's cool about that kind of songwriting is that you're almost letting the vowels yes. tell you what the song is about. And, you know, if you listen to, I, I love, I, I like to play uh, a band called Sigur Rose from Iceland. Oh, those and, are awesome. awesome. Yeah, so they, they do not have any language. They just use vowel sounds and consonants and oh, really? their songs. But you hear their songs and you're like, this one is about birds. <laughs> like, mm. you know, there are no words in it, but the music and the vowel sounds feel like birds flying or sunrise or something like that. So using vowel sounds as kind of your guide into a song is a wonderful way to write music. And you usually end up with a really good, like the song and the melody and the lyric are usually really beautifully matched because you've Reunified. been singing it the whole time from like the get-go, you're singing it. So it's going to feel really good. Yeah, I've never written written lyrics down and then... Yeah. I should force myself to it because that's something I don't do. I know uh, Blair Packham, that's how he usually... Uh, he writes down, you know, the song down, and then does music, and it's yeah, yeah, and 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 for myself, like that, that that that's the thing that switched for me probably about six or seven years ago. Is that like I, I was like you, Phil? I always wrote music, and and even a full melody, and then try to jam some lyrics on top of it. <laughs> but again, I find if I work the other way around, and it's not, it doesn't always work that way. Of course, sometimes mm -hmm. I will, you know, come up with a little piano ditty, and then but all but the one thing I will do is I'll. 
I, I will not finish the music. I'll always go to what is this song about? And it's one of the first things you learn on, on Pat Patterson's th uh, course too, is you always like, what can you, what is the song about? It's not, it's not a lyric, it's not a title, but what in a nutshell, in one sentence, what's your idea right. behind, behind the song? Because that can lead to so many choices that you make, right? It can yeah. lead, you know, if you're, it, it can lead to choices like, what rhymes do you use or what rhymes don't you use or do you not use any rhymes in certain sections to create a sense of tension or stress or what is the line lengths like do you want it to feel really languid and open so long lines or do you want it to feel really short and stuttery and then therefore short mm. lines so if you know kind of what your song is about that can dictate the feel of the music and the the kind of lyric structure in a way that I think is really cool. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's yeah, there's, there's so many choices out there and so many avenues you can take. But again, you know, it's 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 very true. We want you know this is what we look to resources like this podcast and our meetup and and other things like the books you mentioned, Susan. It's all it's all tools in your toolbox, and the more tools you have you know the the easier like i don't even think about writer's block anymore it's just i need to write a song i just write a song because <laughs> yeah. i because i have the tools to be able to navigate my way through it and i can come up with something it may not be great right. but do it every <laughs> day do it every day i know the more you That's do it a, the easier it'll be we have been talking about it weekly for like nine years now so you know huh? yeah that's account for something that's <laughs> count for something <laughs> We, we 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 know the how to. We just don't we just don't do it ourselves. That's <laughs> no, true. <laughs> too much work. <laughs> yeah, too much work. Okay, speaking of too much work, that's about all the time we have on the show tonight. This has been Song Talk Radio. Special thank you, Susan Catanio. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for having me. I love kids. talking to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Um, and where can our listeners find more about you, Susan? Um, find me on I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. SusanCatanio.com. Uh, Susan on Bandcamp, Susan on Facebook. Um, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm just Susan Music. Nice. Find me that way. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and uh, we want to hear from you, our listeners. So please send us your comments, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Song Talk Radio, or send us an email, feedback at songtalk.ca. Um, be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performance videos and full episodes. Subscribe today to the Song Talk Radio podcast on your favorite podcast provider and our free newsletter at songtalk.ca. Uh, you can find links to all the products, books, and web services we mentioned on the show and our resources page on our website. And wherever you are in the world, please join us online via Zoom at our next monthly Song Talk Meetup. It's free to join on meetup.com and free to attend the meetup, bring a song and a lyric sheet, and get constructive feedback from other songwriters. Stop by songtalk.ca for the link. You can follow me at neilmodi.com. You can follow Phil at philemory.ca. And, and Susan, what's your what's your favorite social media channel of choice? Uh, Instagram. Susan Instagram, C. Music. Susan Music? Yeah, Susan Catanio. You can find me there. Susan Catanio, perfect. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to stop by the website, songtalk.ca, to browse past shows. Find out how you can be a guest. Thank you, everyone, and keep on writing. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>